Welcome to Author Express. Thanks for checking us out. This is the podcast where you give us 15 minutes of your time and we give you a chance to hear the voice behind the pages and get to know some of your favorite writers in a new light. I'm one of your hosts, Kathleen Basie. I'm an award-winning musical composer, a feature writer, essayist, and of course, storyteller. Let me tell you a little bit about today's guest. Rachel Stone writes stories of hope and redemption, often set against vibrant Canadian backdrops. Her writing placed first in the 2022 OBOA Writing Contest and has appeared in numerous international literary and visual arts magazines, journals, and blogs. Her debut novel, The Blue Iris, is upmarket book club fiction about a group of people with broken pasts who converge on a Toronto flower market where they unearth deeply rooted secrets and learn to own uncomfortable truths. The Prairie's Book Review describes it as riveting, soul-searching, and full of heart, a spectacularly told story. But for Rachel, this description sounds more like her own journey in writing it, a journey that involved deep personal transformation and ultimately healed her body. Welcome, Rachel, to Author Express. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks. So first of all, tell me the most interesting thing about where you're from. Okay, well, for me, Toronto is where I'm from. And the coolest thing about Toronto, and I don't know, I think people have a general sense that it's multicultural, but more than 50% of Toronto's population, which is like close to 3 million people, were born outside of Canada. So Hmm. for me growing up, that certainly rang true. Like I didn't have a chance to travel much when I was a kid. I didn't travel till I was in my 20s. And I just felt like growing up, I always had the whole world in my city. And my uncles would take me out every Saturday in the summer and we would explore a new neighborhood with a new type of cuisine and a new culture. And like we would spend the whole day. And yeah, so like, I mean, I hadn't really been outside of Toronto, but I really felt like I was hitting up a new place every week, a new culture. And we never ran out of stuff to try. We never ran out of like new types of foods to eat and, you know, just culture to experience. So that's definitely my favorite thing about Toronto. And I think it's probably for me, the most interesting thing about Toronto. That is really interesting. And that's fun. And it's such a gift to have that as a possibility for you growing up, because so many of us grow up in a little bubble in our own little worlds and takes until, you know, adulthood to start getting outside of it. So that's really cool. Yeah. And it was funny, like, I really appreciated that even from a young age, not even looking back. It was like, at the time, it was like, wow, this is so cool. I can just, you know, we would hop on the subway or, you know, now I live 30 minutes outside of Toronto. At the time, I was probably 20 minutes outside of Toronto, but it's just a quick jaunt. It was always easy to do. And just like I said, never ending, which is really, really cool. Yeah, that is really cool. I I actually quite envy that. That's fun. You have to come visit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I have not been to Canada except to like, sort of, skirt the edges of it on the way to somewhere else. Yes. So, yeah, yeah. You'll have to do that. <laughs> okay. So what's something about you that other people find hard to believe? Okay. Well, this one usually shakes up the cocktail party. Not that I go to cocktail parties very often, but I have been inside 22 different jails. Whoa. And most people do not see that coming. <laughs> for work, not admitted to, but for work. So yes, part of my previous life before writing full-time was a corporate job and the client group was the correctional group. So I would Hmm. visit various jails regularly, like multiple times a week all around Ontario. Doing what, if I might ask? Oh yes, no. um, So like corporate support, (laughs) labor relations, basically working with the people who ran the jails and their unions. And, you know, sometimes it was training, sometimes it was a presentation. Usually there was... Well, it's so funny when I started, 
you know, the promise was, oh, you're just going to go to the administrative side of the jail. They're very separate, right? Like there's a separate entrance and, you know, it's just like an office. There's a water cooler and everything. (laughs) Anyway, that didn't always happen. (laughs) My very first day, actually, we walked in and we found out that the lovely office that was very office-y, very much like the Bay Street office I left, was too small to hold everyone. So we actually did have to go into the full jail proper to the very basement with no windows that was you know, 10 minutes to get there. And I like, if you'd have paid me a million dollars, I couldn't have found my way out. Whew. That was like 915 on a Monday of my first first day. That is <laughs> Anyways, funny. So that was interesting. So most people never believe me when I tell them that unless you had worked with me before. Yeah, that is really interesting. And that's you have so many experiences that are just outside of what are like boring old ordinary is that's very cool. Well, it doesn't feel that way. But thank you. <laughs> most days, it's pretty boring. I promise. <laughs> So let's move into talking about your novel. Tell us the name of it again. The Blue Iris. The Blue Iris. And I loved what you said in your introduction about the Toronto flower market. So I want to break that open. But let's start by asking, what do you hope that readers take away from your novel? Oh, boy, that's such a big question for me because I want them to take away so much. I think I am abnormally attached to this novel. It has so much (laughs) in my heart. But I really hope that they can walk away from it feeling uplifted. Hopefully they believe a little bit more in redemption if they didn't believe in that before. And I really want them to connect to the characters. Like I would love it if they would just either see themselves in or really deeply resonate with at least one of the characters. It's a big ensemble. So hopefully there's something in there that they'll find that they like. And overall, I think just, you know, speaking more to the characters' journeys, I kind of hope that readers can walk away with finding the courage to own their own truths if they mm. if they didn't have that before because that's a really big thing for every one of these characters is learning to own their hard truths and sort of secondary to that is just having having faith that their future is going to find them like mm. it, it may not be clear right when you set out especially my main protagonist she's she's just finished graduate school she's got all kinds of education behind her and ambition she wants you know she wants to be this big time something but she doesn't know what it looks like and that's really stressing her out. I call it the what's next anxiety, right? And oh, I just, yeah. I, and that's a very real thing. I remember that transition time is, ugh, it's tough. Yeah, me too. And I don't think it's even going in approaching 30. I Like, I still felt it well into my 30s. I still, I still feel it sometimes <laughs> now. So I just hope that the message of the book resonates with someone on that level, because I think everybody can relate to it in some way. And just this concept that what's meant for you isn't going to pass you and your future is going to find you. Even if you can't see exactly what it looks like at the outset, you're on the path that you are supposed to be on. That's very lovely. So tell us about the book is set in a flower market in Toronto. Yes, it is. Yes, so tell us about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's inspired by a real flower market, which is no longer there, but I worked there for seven summers. And so I felt very well-equipped to write about a flower market. And I thought it was just a really rich setting for a novel. I was really excited to get into the whole sensory landscape and the concept of these beautiful flowers. But at the same time, there's like, if you work at a flower market, there's a whole other side to the flower market. Like there's a lot of men urinating against things they shouldn't be supposed to be. And there's a lot oh, of, forklifts, and there's a lot of gross stuff. And there's a lot of, you know what I mean? Like, it's very raw. Like, you know, you're there at 430 in the morning and it's very uh-huh. sort of chaotic and yeah, there's diesel trucks everywhere. And it's a whole other thing compared to what you sometimes think of as, oh, this lovely flowery place. And, you know, so I try to sort of... So what you're telling us is that there's the beforehand and then there's the during and they're very different. Yes, yes. 4.30 in the morning mm. is very different than when you stroll by at one o'clock on a Sunday afternoon. So for me, it was interesting, interesting. because I could really play up a little bit of that duality. 
But yes, the setting is really special to me. It's based on, obviously, like I said, inspired by a real place and a real neighborhood. And that actually was the neighborhood that I first lived in when I was like really young. So I love that idea. I mean, that I've seen flower markets only on TV. I grew up in rural America. So it's not in my experience. And I just, I see those on in Notting Hill, there was a flower market, I think with, that he walks through. And I just thought, oh, how beautiful. I love flowers. And, you know, so that's really interesting to hear. That makes me want to go pick up the book. That is cool. And that's really interesting to me because I thought up here in the great white North, <laughs> well, you know, you would be more likely. So that's really interesting. I never <laughs> thought of that. I guess Canadians, we just get really excited when summer comes. Like we just go all out and the <laughs> maybe that's why, because we actually have quite a few flower markets around, but well, I know that they exist out there. It's just I've never gotten to be with one. So. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, let's transition a little bit to talking about your writing itself. Do you remember when you first decided you were going to write a novel? I guess I would ask first, is this the first one you've written? Yes. First one okay. I've written, rewritten, rewritten. Sometimes I think it's my fifth novel, but <laughs> because of how many times I rewrote it, but it is my first. Yes. And I remember that moment very clearly, deciding I was going to write a novel. It was sort of part of a bigger journey. And I think, and obviously you alluded to that in the intro, but essentially I had received some troubling health news. There was an issue that had cropped up again after 11 years. I thought I was done with it forever. We'll just go ahead and say it. It was uh, it was a benign tumor in my orbit, like behind my eyeball. So that had resurfaced and there was a lot going on in my brain. We didn't know what was what the next steps were going to be. So I really, really wanted to distract myself. And I enrolled in creative writing classes because I'd always really wanted to give that a shot. But I was very mm. deliberate on day one of the introductions of that class. I'm going to do everything but fiction. Like I, I can't write fiction. Uh. That's not what I'm doing. So <laughs> that funny. was really interesting. And then it actually came out of, you know, then we get to fiction assignment and it's this writing prompt. And, you know, I find myself with this scene and I'm like, wow, this hang on, like, and there's just a lot of synapses start going. And there's a lot of magic happening that I have never experienced before. And, you know, things just start really snowballing in my head. And I remembered the advice of my instructor who said, you know, it's like driving at night, you don't have to see the whole way, you just have to see as far as your headlights and just keep going. So that was sort of in the back of my head. So I kind of kept working with it. But I really at that point was like, I don't know if this is going to be a novel. I mean, maybe like maybe a short story, maybe it's just going to sit in my drawer. I don't know. But I worked at it and worked at it because it just felt so incredible to write. Then I'd been at that for a few months and I actually had my follow-up scans and they came back really, really positive. The tumor was not only stable, but it actually appeared smaller. So uh -huh. that's fantastic. That was a really big moment for me. And it, it was so funny how it happens. Like I was pulling into church, actually. We were going to Easter Saturday mass. So God bless my doctor for calling me on a Saturday with the news, but he knew I was on the edge of my seat. And I just decided right there, like I just said, I'm finishing this novel. I don't care. I don't care how many times I have to write it. I don't care how many times I have to query it. I'm getting this novel out into the world no matter what, and I'm going to figure it out. And it was just, it was a very clear, distinct moment that I just said, we're going, we're doing this. We don't, we don't know wow. if it makes any sense, but we have to, I just felt like it had given me so much at that point that I had to see it through. Oh, that's what a great story. So your characters in your book kind of parallel that healing, I understand. Yeah, on different levels. Yeah, they all, they all have their scars <laughs> for sure in all different forms. And yeah, it was just a lot about owning their truth and finding their truth and trusting their journey, all that stuff that I said. I mean, I, my what's next anxiety was huge for years. And mm. so yeah, there is, there's definitely some parallels there. Yeah, that's very good. This all sounds very interesting. So let's start wrapping things up. Let's ask what's the best place for people to find you online? Probably my website. So that's rachelstoneauthor.com. And that's going to have my regular updates. You can sign up for my 
newsletter, which I promise to send only four times a year. (laughs) And I try to update my blog pretty regularly. So if you like to just read a little bit about that, that's always available there. Great. Okay. So in closing, let's ask this, what book or story is inspiring you the most right now? For me, it's not a new one, but it's always been the story of Terry Fox. So I don't know how familiar you are with him. He's our Canadian hero, ran across the country with one leg and one prosthetic to raise money for cancer. Oh, wow. Only made it as far as Ontario, but it's really huge here. Terry Fox, they organize runs to carry on his Marathon of Hope. Mm -hmm. So his story has fascinated Canadians forever. He died the year that I was born. But for me as a writer, what's really, it's almost resonating to me in a new way because, you know, you read about his journals where he first started and he was at the very beginning of this journey and he was by himself. Like the cameras were not there yet. The police escorts Mm. were not there yet. The crowds were not there yet. He was all by himself with this really insane dream of like running thousands of miles across the country on one leg. So that now in the stage that I'm at now is really sort of a daily thing that I keep in mind because it's just so inspiring to me that Sometimes it's just you and this crazy dream and you just got to keep going. You just got to keep going. I love that. That's the word that we all need to hear at some point. Hopefully whoever needs to hear it today is hearing it. Yes, that would be great. Well, thank you so much for being on Author Express with us and we look forward to speaking with you again. Thank you for having me. It's been wonderful. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you'll take a second to give us some stars or a review on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll be back next Wednesday. And in the meantime, follow us on Instagram at Author Express Podcast to see who's coming up next. Don't forget, keep it express, but keep it interesting.